It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast presented by Fetch Me Home Delivery. Use promo code FETCHME20 for your first delivery free. I'm Zach Blackerby, joined by Michael Pappas today. What's up, dude? Nothing much. Also, if you're thinking to yourself, wait, I'm already on Fetch Me. Yeah. What do I do? Right. Easy. Uh, create a new account. Fetch Me 20. Everyone wins. Are you speaking from experience here? No. But I'm sure they would appreciate getting their account numbers up. All right. All right. I'm cool with it. So we have a a few voicemails that we're going to get to. We're going to try to get to them all before we have a conversation with Greg Peterson. He is probably the smartest college basketball person I've ever talked to. So we will chat with him several times throughout the season. And he is so excited that college basketball is here. We're uh, recording this on Tuesday. We're releasing it on Tuesday. His conversation is mostly big picture Auburn stuff. I asked him about... Georgia Southern, which Auburn plays tonight for their season opener. And then uh, Davidson. He talks more about Davidson than Georgia Southern. So don't, if you're listening to this on the way to work or something sometime Wednesday or later in the week, it's still relevant. So don't, um, don't bail. Yeah, don't bail. We don't do that here. You know, Zach, with, uh, with college basketball season starting, like you said, there are a lot of people who are, you know, super, super excited, uh, media members, especially uh, guys that cover college basketball. And so, you know where we're from. I, I feel like both of us really. It, it's all about. College, where are you from? Dallas, Texas. You're from Texas. Um, it, it's really all about you know college football. Just being in the South, like yeah, you know, we both went to Auburn. It's all about football, and so it's really interesting to see you know these guys online who were like, "This is the best time of the year, college basketball." I'm like, you know, football season doesn't end for couple months now and you know i I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole but i think some of the frustration with gus malzahn and the football program that some of the fan base has i wonder if that's as prevalent if uh if bruce pearl doesn't make a final four last year i think there's some relation there maybe maybe not we'll see all right we got some voicemails we got some voicemails i got three voicemails michael and i'm gonna let you pick which one give me a number one through three two all right all right we're doing the second one you can call the Locked On Auburn podcast voicemail machine at 205-502-4285. We appreciate it. All right, here is number two. Hey, guys. You got Matt here. Um, yeah, I listen into the, the show. I wholeheartedly disagree. I think, I think Booby Willow is clearly a better running back. Uh, I think that you know the patient style works better because I do think he hits the hole when he sees one right off the bat, but there's not a lot of times with this offensive line that there you know is a hole right off the bat. But – you know, having DJ Williams, you know, the, the big thing that's been about him, I kind of think, you know, two things. One is Cadillac Williams has really pushed Gus Malzahn to use more running backs, something he would not have done in the past, rotate a bunch of them in. So I think we're going to see see everyone really fresh at the end of the year, which is going to be huge going into the Georgia and Alabama game. The number two with DJ Williams doesn't get talked about enough, will never get talked about enough, how great a pass blocker he is for a freshman running back. And, I mean, you hear the coaches talk about it all the time. That's the one that high school running backs never pick up right out the gate. And he's, you know, he, he's shown himself to be a willing blocker in, in pass coverage. So you can put him in there on third down. He's he's kind of the all-around back that we that we need going forward. I don't think, you know, he should be the guy who gets over, over 
15 carries a game. You know, I think when Booby comes back, he should be that guy. But, again, I don't think any of the running backs should get over 20 carries a game by any stretch of the imagination. They should all, you know, I, I think it would be great if both Booby and DJ hovered in that kind of 10 to 15 range. So, hopefully we see that going forward. Hope, hopefully Cadillac keeps pushing Gus to do that. Um, anyway, thanks for listening, guys, and War Eagle. Man, I appreciate the call. So, uh, a few things there, Michael. First, I'll just kind of go in order. The... Uh, for, for those who missed yesterday's show, Michael and I discussed the, you know, I, I'm a big fan of D.J. Williams' running style because he just hits the hole over Booby, Willi- uh, Booby Whitlow's um, kind of more patient approach. And, and I think we're just going to have to agree to disagree there. Um, I, Would, I, I'm more of a fan of just hit the hole and run, a uh, one-cut style thing. So that's... Um, I don't I don't think there's agree to disagree there. He uh, he said at the beginning he thought Booby was better, and then talked about how DJ was the better running back for the whole rest of the call. Wow. Okay. Right. I mean, he talked about how how great DJ's been as a true freshman, and how good he is at running the football, even if the style is not what what this guy prefers, what Matt prefers. And then yeah. he talked about how great DJ's been at pass blocking, which is something that we know Booby Whitlow is not good at. Right. Right. And then you know. He mentioned DJ being pass blocking. He said nobody's going to talk about it. We talked about it. Yeah. We talked about it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there was one specific play where he goes across the formation to pick up uh, an edge rusher to protect Bo Nix. It was a it was like a four- or five-yard pass to Sal Canella uh, a few weeks ago. But, yeah, I'm a big fan of what DJ Williams does. And, man, going into this season, for some reason, I've just kind of been against Booby Whitlow. I, yeah. I, just, I just haven't seen the, I've the, picked the, up on the hype. So, a lot. Yeah. Is that wrong of me? Maybe so. It might be. Yeah, I like Booby Willow. I think he's a good running back. Unfortunately, I, I think he's getting Wally Pipped. All I, right. I, I just think you know who Wally Pipp is. Yes. Okay. That's it. All right. And then uh, no need know, to explain if you know who he is. Then uh, Matt said uh, fifteen careers uh, or fifteen careers, fifteen carries, fifteen carries uh, per running back. I don't think any of the guys on this team need more than that. I think you may see it really? against Georgia and Alabama, but I, I just think the way that this team is, and if you know Malzahn is as creative as running the football as you know his reputation is, I don't think you need to do that. With Booby Whitlow, we assume he'll be back for Georgia. We think he'll play. DJ Williams, Sean Shivers, Anthony Schwartz, and then you got Bo Nix as well. Maybe if you do Harold Joyner, you know the the Harold Joyner cat, but I, I think that goes away when Booby is kind of one hundred percent healthy, but. I think that's enough. I don't think any of those guys need to get over 15 carries per game. I don't know. I'm pro workhorse back, change of pace back. Okay. If you're going to use two. Um, so I, I'm honestly, I'm pretty excited for next year. Get a little like DJ Williams as the workhorse. Uh-huh. Sean Shivers as the change of pace. Tank Bigsby, baby. Yeah. I, I just, Mark Anthony Richards, like, it's and it's an embarrassment of riches right now at running back. So I guess, yeah. yeah, there's no harm in holding these guys to 15 carries. But it's, I don't know. I'm just pro workhorse back. So I'm definitely not against them just giving one guy 35 carries every game until he gets hurt and then bring in the next one. All right, we got uh, we got two more voicemails. I think we're only gonna have time to get to to one of them today. You want number one or number three? Three. Hey guys. <laughs> All right, so I'm wondering uh, a little bit more about uh, what happened with the fan base on Saturday at the game. Uh, I'm a little less interested in, like, 
the Auburn specific narrative, like this emerge that the fan base is alienated from Goss or whatever that might be. Uh, I've kind of been interested in how, like, the natural landscape of college football might be influencing this. Because, I mean, we've seen it at a bunch of other places besides just Auburn. So I wonder if some things like the ubiquity of televised games where the in-game events is less special uh, might be influencing yes. it. Or uh, maybe the fact that uh, the college football playoff has made college football more national sports. So it's like playoff or bust. I wonder if like these kinds of outside influences may have influenced uh, what we saw uh, at the game in Jordan Hare uh, on Saturday. Anyway, just would love to hear you guys suss that out. Thanks for the podcast. What does ubiquity mean? I don't know. Look it up. Okay. I think it's a good question. I, I, you know, and I think we mentioned this briefly uh, a few shows ago, talking about how the the game day experience oh appearing I, everywhere or being very common. Unless you just absolutely love it and crave it, which I'm, I'm sure some of the folks listening to the show do, they love going to the games. But me personally, I enjoy watching the game at home more than actually going to the football game. That's yep. just kind of that's just kind of it. You end up spending less money now. Like when I'm working and you know you're in the press box, it's a little different because you don't have to worry about anything and you can like walk to get drinks and food. You know, it's three steps. But I mean, just as a fan, unless it's just a you know, I, I travel to I try to go to you know one or two NFL games a year, and like that's always fun because it's kind of a treat. But I mean, as far as going to you know games as a fan, it's so much better to watch it at home, <laughs> and uh, you know. I used to feel like I was in the minority there, but I think now it's it's not that. And then in regards to the college football playoff, playoff or bus mentality, I think it's a big part of it because playing in the Sugar Bowl and the Sugar Bowl is not one of the, the semifinal games, it has lost a lot of its shine. It's lost a lot of its appeal. Now, you can say you know, you've played in a New Year's Day Bowl and that's fantastic, but it doesn't carry the same weight that it used to. And so going... You know, 10-2, and two, being left out of the SEC championship game and playing in the Sugar Bowl against a team like, I don't know, if Oklahoma gets left out or, you know, a, a team like that, which kind of what happened a few years ago when Auburn went down there and lost to New Orleans. But that's just not as, that's not as rewarding as it used to be. So I, I think going 10-2 and two and just having an above average to good or great season, but you're not in the top four, it, it almost doesn't matter. It almost isn't that big of a difference between going, you know, ten and two and just being left out versus going eight and four and you know maybe maybe your bowl games in a more fun town. So, I, I think that's a huge part of it. A few things that uh, I think you're both correct. You know, for starters, for me personally, I literally cannot afford to go to the games. Um, I don't have the money, but I already pay for cable and internet, um, and I have multiple televisions. So I can actually have a better experience for less money staying at home. In fact, in a lot of cases, if I were to go to the game, that would be my cable payment for the month. I would have to not, like, the whole payment right, would get me into one game, much less if I wanted to eat or drink anything. Uh, I will say something that college football does much better than a lot of other sporting events is the pageantry, the, you know, the band, the eagle flying, the... You know, there, there's hardly any downtime, you know? Yes. Like, they're always doing presentations or, or this or that. There's something going on the whole time. Um, and it's just like the 
sitting in the stands is cool if like there was nobody else there. Or if you just knew that no one around you was going to be annoying. But there always is. Or it wasn't going to be like 105 degrees. But I'm not even worried about the weather. That that doesn't really bother me that much. I'm cool sweating or freezing. Okay. That's fine. It's more of the... Like, I'm a know, very I, sweaty guy. Sure. So. I, I am too. It just it, it doesn't seem to bother me as much as it does a lot of people, which is odd to me because I sweat like crazy too. But it, I don't know. There's always folks around mm-hmm. me yelling stuff like the, the girl that was behind me at the two-lane game yelling mm-hmm. like... Sal Canelo was wide open. I'm like, Sal Canelo is not even on the field, girl. Like, chill out. This drives me crazy. It yeah. Drives me crazy. All right. You kind of get that anywhere you go, though. Like, that, that happens you know, all the time. But you know where it doesn't happen? <laughs> Your couch. My, yeah, my living room. Absolutely. All right. Greg Peterson coming up. Little college basketball action. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. We're now joined by Greg Peterson. He's the co-host of That's Gold Show. He's also a host on VSIN. You can follow him on Twitter at GUnit underscore 81. Greg, it's been a minute. How are things? Uh, things are terrific. College basketball is back in our lives. In my opinion, we're all the better for it. I've been so excited for this. So I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. Oh, yeah. We, we appreciate the time. So uh, obviously, folks, uh, folks in town here at Auburn, very excited uh, Auburn, you know, over the past year or so, that Final Four run has kind of turned Auburn into a uh, into a basketball school. So a lot of uh, a lot of folks excited. They get things going against Georgia Southern tonight. And uh, wh- what what can you tell us about this Auburn team? What have you kind of seen? They they lost a lot. It's a totally different looking team than this team that made the Final Four a year ago. Oh, absolutely. This is an Auburn team that last year when they made their run to the Final Four was in the top two or three in pretty much every metric when it comes to grabbing steals, forcing turnovers, things like that, because they had a great backcourt. Jared Harper and Bryce Brown were really the fulcrum of that team. Now you're looking at a team that actually is built a little bit more on low-post presences. By that, I mean this team is probably going to be seeing a healthy dose of Austin Riley and Freddie McLemore, a guy who a couple years ago was able to generate so many blocks for this team before he got injured. He's now going to be a focal point of this team. Obviously, you're going to bring in some freshmen, but I anticipate Bruce Pearl's team to be a little bit slower than in past years because with Auburn, we've gotten so accustomed to this team just being able to force turnovers, firing up all those trees. I think that they're going to be going down in the post a bit more. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see a Bruce Pearl team uh, do that. I, I know you uh, you spent a lot of time looking at the lines in Vegas and and kind of speculating on you know where uh, you know how bad teams are going to beat other teams. But when you have a team like Auburn that has a, a bunch of freshmen and a bunch of unknowns, you know guys like Isaac Okoro have the fan base pretty excited. But I mean, how do you kind of calculate and take all of that information, all of those unknowns, uh, into consideration? The biggest thing is just trying to take a look at how these guys project to the college level, taking a look at, okay, is this guy a good free-throw shooter? Is he able to knock down threes? Because a lot of these teams, they really get benefited when they are 
squads that do a very good job of doing the little things. It's why Virginia was able to win the national championship last year. A very stout defense, a team that doesn't beat itself, efficient on offense, doesn't turn the ball over. Those are the sorts of little things that you look for because while Duke was able to bring in the top three freshmen last year, the reason why they didn't make the Final Four, they were unable to shoot threes. They sometimes killed themselves with turnovers, and depth is a big thing as well. One reason why Auburn, I feel like, is going to be able to have a good year is because they are bringing in a lot of solid freshmen, and they do have quite a bit coming back from last year. We mentioned all the guard play that is being lost. Obviously, that is going to hurt this team, but at the very least, you do have someone like an Austin Wiley who is coming back, who has been in the program for quite a few years, and Anthony McLemore, who has served his time certainly at Auburn. He's doing a very good job of giving this team a little bit of leadership and you need that because typically whenever we see Kentucky, a team out there in the SEC, make their runs, it's because they do have a couple guys that have a little bit of leadership. When the Kentucky team have all freshmen, yeah, they might be able to have a good regular season, but when it comes to the postseason, typically that's when they fall short. While we're talking about the postseason, um, I saw this morning a lot of people predicting that Florida has a good shot to go to the, the Final Four this season. Obviously, uh, I believe Mike White is their coach. He's doing a great job down there, and he's been building something. What is it about these other SEC teams that that led to Auburn being picked fourth by the media members for uh, you know for this season? I think that it's just the fact that you do have a couple juggernauts out there in the SEC in front of Auburn at this point because with Kentucky, we all know that they're breaking in that freshman class. You bring in, like, Tyrese Mack, the guys of that oak. And they also bring in a graduate transfer, Nate Sestina. I think that it is very interesting that John Calipari is adapting the graduate transfer model. We saw it with Reed Travis last year. This year they bring in a gentleman from Bucknell by the name of Nate Sestina who shot 38% from three, six-foot-nine combo player that put up 15 points per game. I think that that is going to be something to really watch out for. And then when you talk about Florida, the big thing that really pushed them over the top is a graduate transfer of their own in Kerry Blackshear. Kerry Blackshear, when he was at Virginia Tech down the stretch, I think the last like two months of the season, he was shooting 37% from three, six foot ten combo player, puts up eight rebounds. He's able to pour in 15 points. You combine that with point guard and Andrew Nemhart, who gave out over five assists per game. You bring back so much of last year's team, other than really Kayvon Allen, and it leads to Florida being that team that becomes a chic pick to be able to make the Final Four. And Auburn just really doesn't have those graduate transfers like the teams that were picked in front of them in the SEC. But what they do have is a little bit of a better style, and they do have a little bit more experience returning, which is why you notice that they're going to be picked in front of a couple of other teams that were able to make the NCAA tournament last year in the SEC, like Tennessee, because let's face it, with Tennessee, they bring in a little bit with regards to their freshman class, but they don't necessarily have as much returning as Auburn as well. So it's sort of one of those balancing acts. Greg, when you look at Auburn's first two opponents this year, Georgia Southern tonight at the time of us recording this, and then we've got Davidson coming up this Friday. Uh, how do you expect Auburn to, to fare against both of those opponents? I think that they should be able to win both those games, but I will say Auburn is actually challenging itself to begin the season. Davidson is no pushover. They were a team that was able to be in the top three in the Atlantic 10 last year. Kellen Grady is a guy that pours in 16 points per game. 
depth is a serious issue with this Davidson team. They only go about six deep, but those six players, very good. They're able to knock down some threes. John Axel Goodmanson is a gentleman that does a little bit of everything, averages 16 points, seven rebounds, a couple of assists. So I think that's very intriguing. And Georgia Southern, I think, is going to be a good matchup to start off the year as well because with Georgia Southern, this is a team that they want to get it into the paint. They lose a guy by the name of Tukey Brown that was able to give them nearly five assists, 20 points per game. But this is a squad last year that was one of the toughs in the country in regards to being able to generate points from two-point range because what a two-point rate is is essentially the amount of shots that you take from inside the three-point arc and Georgia Southern was in the top five in that regard last year. They really liked to kick it up tempo, averaged over 80 points per game, and they're one of the better teams out there in the Sun Belt. So it's not like Auburn is going to be going up against like Kentucky or anything to begin the year, but at the same time, they're doing a much better job than some of these schools like playing against an Alcorn State, a Texas A&M Corpus Christi or something like that. So I think that it's a perfect way for Auburn to start the year. I think they should be able to win both games, but these games aren't going to be like the 30-point blowouts that sometimes you're accustomed to seeing at the beginning of the year. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. So with that challenge, and we know Auburn has, you know, one of the easier out-of-conference schedules in general just on paper before they really get into the conference play, do you think that there's a realistic expectation that Auburn could get into SEC play, you know, undefeated or with one loss? Or do you think that just with growing pains, the backcourt, you know, obviously graduating like you talked about, if uh, that's not a realistic expectation? I think that zero to one losses is a pretty realistic expectation just because, like you mentioned, Auburn not necessarily going to be going up against some of these big blue blood schools do start off SEC play. Now, once SEC play starts, I think it's going to be anyone's guess because what we noticed in the SEC as well is we've got a lot of turnover. Arkansas has a new coach in Eric Musselman. Alabama brings in Nato. That's right in your neck of the woods. He comes over from Buffalo. He should be turning that school a little bit more up-tempo. LSU has a completely revamped roster after they were able to win the SEC last year. So, you do have a lot of changes, but you do mention the fact that Auburn not necessarily playing a murderer's row to start the year. I would probably peg it at one loss going into SEC play personally. Greg, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Where can people find you and hear you? Like you mentioned, That's Gold Show. I do a podcast called That's Gold with Steve Heitner. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. I also do a college basketball podcast called College Hoops Overtime Betting that is on all those fine podcasts as well and I break down every single college basketball game every single day so anytime that Auburn is playing I'm going to be going into that game and all the other ones in the SEC the Big Ten all those major schools so you can find both of those and you can also catch me on Twitter at GUnit underscore 81. 
Greg, thank you so much, man. Let's do this again soon. Good stuff from Greg. That guy's really smart. He watches a lot of basketball. And uh, I've listened to his podcast. I mean, he breaks down literally every college basketball game of the year. It's crazy. I'm going to be honest with you. That sounds like my kind of podcast, and I'm afraid to listen to it. You would love it. They'll put one out tonight. You should listen I to know, it. I know. I'm sure. I, I'm worried that if I start listening to it, I'll either A, go bankrupt, or B, get like really, really into it. I don't think I can handle it. Well, that. it's awesome because he does it right after the games. He like puts it out at midnight, and so you get it every day when you drive to work. People, please keep listening to my podcast, please. Please don't don't leave me. <laughs> All right. So tomorrow on the show, we chat with Chad Slade. Uh, to, to be honest, I already recorded the interview with him. Uh, I asked him about, you know, he, he played for similar coaches. He talks about Malzahn. He talks about the players. He talks about the Auburn family and kind of all the situation. Because he was, he was pretty outspoken on Twitter discussing uh, a lot of things about how the players were tweeting at fans. So we chat about all that and, uh, and more. And he had some stuff to say about Gus Malzahn, too. So... Be sure to tune in to that. Michael, where can people find you and hear you, bud? Follow me on Twitter at CouchPapTato. All right, follow me on Twitter at ZBlackerby. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Auburn. This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn Podcast. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.